Are you an architect, designer, contractor, or engineer? Modeler.com is a platform connecting architects and other specifiers with building product manufacturers. Modeler.com's engaged network of 168,000 architects, designers, and construction professionals use Modeler.com's tools to discover, discuss, and specify products appropriate for building projects. We at KZSU Stanford thank Modeler.com for the generous underwriting of the production and broadcasting costs of The Modern Architect. KZSU, Stanford University's FM radio station broadcasting across the Bay Area on 90.1 FM and across the world at kzsu.org. From the campus of Stanford University, this is the Modern Architect radio show and podcast featuring one-on-one interviews with renowned and cutting-edge architects, influencers, and sustainability leaders. The show and podcast will inform, educate, and illuminate the transformation, joy, and inspiration architecture brings to our cities communities and lives hosted by architecture aficionado and principal of accurate tom dioro thank you michael for our guest today please welcome john de la cruz owner and principal of award-winning de la cruz architecture interior and design john creates interiors that are truly unique to each project and client over the past 20 years john has worked with bay area's top design firms successfully leading projects including the Battery San Francisco, the Cavalier, Marlo Carbone in Las Vegas, Sedell's in New York, and private residents around the country. For more information, feel free to visit www.dlcid.com. That's www.dlcid.com. John, we're honored and fired up to have you on our show today, really. So am I. Thank you for having me. Oh, did, did we hit it running as soon as we saw you come right in. There's like, that's John. Let's go. Uh, that's like, what, 20, 30 minutes ago? Yeah. 30, 39 minutes ago. 39 minutes. Exactly. Hanging out and you having got a fun. sense of exactness, too. <laughs> you know, I'd like to start off with something funny, even though we're already starting. What, what some are some of your early inspirations, John, if you can think back to when, uh, you know, how you are where you are now and like where you, if you can recall, where you kind of saw yourself early on? Well, I've always been kind of an introverted kid, and I still am now. An introverted kid. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> and I was always the, the kid that always would draw quietly or read, and I wouldn't really have a lot of social activities or sports things to do. So, And I was also the kid that would have more fun wrapping a gift rather than opening them. Really? So whenever oh, it was what did they Christmas look like? time, I'd always come yeah. up with a different concept and start wrapping gifts and just that, that, that whole process of making something pretty. Yeah. Just a plain box and finding a, a cool wrapping and finding the ribbon and making sure that all the seams are perfect and, and hiding all the tape and that, that kind of that spiritual connection to arts and crafts yeah. I've always had as a child. So. I like that call out. You said spiritual. That's really interesting. I, I see a lot of your work, and as, as we were talking about before we we came on officially, the show is there's a theme kind of to your to your work. Or actually, I said there was. I don't see a theme. There's a great range. I mm-hmm. noticed a great range to your work, and there's not like a set thing. And then you said something interesting that oh, there it's in there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's 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 in there. Share with us how you work with clients. You know, how do you take that something that they're really not sure of most often and bring it to life? 
Well, every client's different. Okay. It's all people, and that's the core of what we do because people use our spaces. So it's about developing a relationship with the client and understanding what they need and what they want and helping them get to that point where it's even just a little bit better than what they were expecting or asking for. So it's a lot of listening, and it's a lot of understanding how they live and how they want to live and then where they want to be. How, where they want to be, yeah. yeah. How do you go about is that? A, is there a certain process that you go through on your own? It's just like getting to know people. You just have to listen to them and, and talk to them and like an interview process. And Yeah. Can you share with us an example of how it might work? Let's say I'm a client and I say, you know, I, I don't know what I'm doing. Everything looks terrible to me, but you've got a good <laughs> space. How do you help them? Like how do you draw, well, uh, draw that out of them? What the, the easiest thing for me to do is see how you live now. Oh, really? <laughs> to see like oh. if I can open up a drawer in your kitchen, if I can open up your closet and look at that and then look at what your broom closet looks like I can help figure out what you need in life. That's kind of my. <laughs> wow. No, really. You just need yeah. those sort of that small cues. Sure. Yeah. Because we all kind of want a little bit of an, a prettier life. And that's why you would hire an interior yeah. designer or an architect. And you all want a little bit more organization and you want a little more peace by having everything set in a way that helps you live your life easier. Yeah. So seeing how you live now and then kind of understanding where you want to be kind of helps glean all of those answers. Yeah. So you're really doing, it sounds like you're a bit of a psychologist. Too. Oh, totally. A psychologist, really? marriage counselor, a lawyer. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, go into that a bit. A uh, babysitter, how, how, a firefighter. I, we move furniture. Firefighter? What's the firefighter? <laughs> oh, I, you know, you have clients and contractors with quote-unquote emergencies. Like, I don't know what to do with this, or is this really what you intended? I'm about to install this, and it's going to be a very expensive mistake. If it's not what you had intended, you're always responding on a... On a 911 basis sometimes when it comes to these, these yeah. custom-built homes and restaurants. So yeah. there's a lot of um, immediate reactions that you have to have to come up with and, and, and uh, egos to, to manage and babies crying that you're trying to <laughs> calm so, down so that you can get a clear answer from the parent. And so the, are the babies easier than the egos? Sometimes. Okay. For sure. <laughs> when did you begin officially? You know, like, you know what, hang your own shingle, so to speak. It's been two and a half years, so... August of 2016. What is it? 2018 right now? Yeah. Is it Tuesday? I don't know. Yeah. (laughs) Really? Just two two years? Yeah. And you've got accolades like crazy. I I was saying before we got on the show, there's more press than uh, I can count. Well, I've been really lucky to... I've been working for about 22 years now. And I've been really lucky to work with some really great people, some really big personalities that had a lot to teach me and a lot for me to learn. Yeah. Share with us. If, uh, you know, I worked for a man named Stephen yeah. Volpe. I worked for a company called Babby Moulton, who did high-end luxury boutique hotels throughout the world. And then I worked for a man named Ken Folk, who also is a, a bit of a, a star right now in terms of interior designers because he's getting a lot, oh, quite yeah. a lot of press and uh, touching a lot of different things all over the world. Yeah, so you've, you've had influences. Oh, for sure. To sit yeah. yeah. And they're all very, very different. Pamela Babby from Babby Moulton is... Yeah. Certainly a character, and Stephen Volpe was... Feeling. How are they different? Like, you know, in that, is their style, the way they work, how all, they... All of the above. Really? I, I could I could spend hours talking about yeah. each one of them and how they... Uh... Share with us. Yeah, yeah. Well, Pamela yeah. was very eclectic, and she okay. helped me open, open my uh, point of view to seeing a lot of different ways of doing things and mixing and matching and colors and patterns. And Stephen was very serious, and it was always about the attention to quality and provenance and making sure that... The room was perfect. And then with Ken, it was actually a little bit of Pamela and a little bit of Steven and a lot of bit of the business side of it all and the client relationships and how to how to grow it into an empire and manage a couple of different things all at the same time to kind of keep it interesting and 
Yeah. Almost like a circus and three rings. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. You, well, there's a lot of things that you've said that I like here, but the room was perfect. Is that interpretation or no, there is a, a way to gauge that s- sort of perfection? That p- perfection is elusive. Okay. And that's what we always had to strive for with when I worked with Stephen is to make sure that the relationship of the chair and the art, and the, it was all exacting, I would say. And then with exactly. Pamela, it's the opposite. It's, it's, it's about the mix and the contrasts. And then with Ken, it was timing and delivery and relationships. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So you, you have all that now as a part of you. I do. And it's, whoa. I don't sleep much. <laughs> I love that. And you're probably going to sleep much later. Yeah. Because you've, what, oh, you say two years? It's two years ago. My goodness. So uh, how has it exceeded your expectations in the last couple of years of where you kind of saw yourself? I never dreamed it would be like this. It was, I thought I'd go off on my own and have two or three projects and, you know, one assistant and just kind of. Be happy and quiet, but it's um, <laughs> happy it's grown quiet. quite quickly, and uh, sometimes I'm a little scared, but it's fun, and yeah. I have a great group of people. I've got 11 people in my office, and we're working on about three dozen different kinds of projects right now. How many? Three, 36. 36 projects right now? Yeah. Small and large. Oh. Some of them are, you know, uh, we have a 150-unit apartment building that we're helping in Berkeley, and then oh. we've got a 28-unit condo building that we're also working on in San Francisco. We've got two restaurants, actually three restaurants that are about to open this next month. Yeah. One in Palo Alto, two in San Francisco. So I've got a really great group of people that are helping. Yeah. How do you take all that and manage it? Got some really great people working with me. Really? It does, it does come down to <laughs> Yeah. And every day it, it changes and then we're trying to, we're figuring it out as we go. Yeah. So there's 36 projects currently yeah. that you're working on. Some of them are small bedrooms. Yeah. And then some of them, some are bigger and they're all on different schedules. So it works out. Is there any way to, I guess the, because we're in the Valley, to scale that sort of uh, production level? It's hard because all the clients always want to make sure I'm involved and they want to see me and I need the FaceTime with them to make sure that, you know. Yeah, they hired me. They didn't hire four assistants. So I'm involved with everything, too. And Whoa. It's hard. <laughs> yeah. And then how about the difference between you've got the condo, the restaurant, the hotel? Is that what you yeah. Okay. I would think they're pretty significantly different. No, nope, for sure. Yeah. Okay, so how do you— Just like I, people. They're, all clients are different. And How do you mentally, different. if it's even possible, how do you categorize that in your brain or compartmentalize that to know, okay, this is the hotel, this is this. How do you know what works for each project? I make sure everyone talking to me always starts with, tell me what the project is, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> what floor you're on. <laughs> Does it come to that? Sometimes, yeah. No, I'm pretty good at it. I have a lot of, I'm ADD, so it also okay. helps my the way my brain thinks because I'm always jumping from conversation to conversation so it keeps me active and it keeps me on my toes <laughs> yeah I'll, I'll say how often does it change from when you get to an agreement with the, a client that uh, they go oh, wait a minute wait a minute hold on you know I, I'm kind of thinking a little different here or does it happen with you as well with them it's a relationship so okay. as much we try to keep as much communication out as as, as possible so that we we're, we're changing together okay. if, if that does happen we try not to encourage that much, but certainly it's a process. It's, it's all about growth and giving them what they want. So you have to listen, interpret, deliver. <laughs> yeah. Is there any patterns yet with the, the people you work with that you know, okay, that's that he's kind of like Ben. She's kind of like uh, him. Are you noticing patterns with clients as well? Always. For sure. Really? Yeah. Okay. And then um, like some of the older clients don't care as much. And some of the younger ones really want to be a part of because they feel like they want to, you know, 
they want to touch everything and they want to see everything and they feel like they want to learn. Yeah. And some of the older ones, I'll, I'll say, I'm, if I don't overspeak, I, sometimes they just they want it to be done on time the way that they envision it in their head. So you just establish what that looks like and you, you get it done. Yeah. Is there a difference between a commercial, the commercial mindset for interior design versus a, a home or homeowner, residential? Um, Mostly it's about how many people have to approve when it's a commercial project. Usually there's two or three people that are in charge. And then in a residential project, we usually deal with one of the spouses, and then they communicate with their husband or wife, and then they come back and they say, this is what we like, this is what we don't like. So it's almost like when you do a commercial project, there's, you're designing for a group of people plus the end user, whoever that may be, whether it be the client that goes to the restaurant or the person that buys the condo. But when you're designing for a home, it's much more personal. So the process is a little bit longer, but it's a lot more specific. Yeah. Well, you said, and there's one less, you know, there's only one person or two people making the decision. You said uh, it's personal. It sounds like you take it personal, whether it's business or residential. Well, it? it's my name for sure. And I'm putting okay. my name on it. So I want to make sure, like you said, when you looked at my portfolio, you saw, you didn't see a certain style. You yeah. saw a, a huge a, a range. A range. Yeah. But what I try to maintain in all the different projects is my point of view and a level of quality and a certain level I love of how you say it. If, if, we, if our listeners and audience could see how you said it, it was bad. <laughs> no, don't do that. I love you say it's, it's your... <clears throat> it was, Excuse me. No, it was, uh, yeah, it was like... Well, they are hiring me from my point yeah. of view, and I, okay. I try to always remind myself that and not get too caught up in, you know, what the daughter's saying, that telling the mother that she wants, and what the husband and wife are arguing about in the kitchen. So I, I try to maintain my point of view, and then I try to maintain a level of quality, and then there's always a, a little twist, as I said before, that I always want to, just a little layer of surprise that I didn't necessarily... I love that, a layer of surprise. Yeah, yeah. something that I didn't necessarily say, oh, and your kitchen's also going to have this, or the bedroom is also going to be this. It's that one little step, like I said, that you make it just a little bit better than what they asked for, and just just that little level of surprise that so they say, oh... This is why I hired you, because I didn't know that this could be like this, or this could function this way, or that my closet could be organized this way, or that my kitchen could flow this way. And that's what I bring to them. Outstanding. Let's touch back on that when we return. You're listening to The Modern Architect, KZSU, Stanford, 90.1 FM. Fridays at 1 p.m., catch up on the latest space news with Planetary Radio. Host Matt Kaplan with visits scientists, engineers, project managers, astronauts, and others to gain a unique and exciting perspective on the exploration of our solar system and the universe. The program also showcases regular features, which can raise your space IQ while they put a smile on your face. Don't miss Planetary Radio every Friday at 1 on KZSU 90.1 FM. Your Stanford University radio station. We're talking today with John De La Cruz, owner principal of De La Cruz Architecture Interior and Design. For more information, feel free to visit www.dlcid.com. That's www.dlcid.com. John, how do you handle? And it's very personal, obviously. But how do you handle like the business side of it and to kind of keep that in balance? If there's a way to do it. Oh, it's a. I'll say the. Job is probably 10% creative and 90% business, for sure. How much? 10, 90, 10, 90, 10, really? <laughs> yeah, we're, again, wow, managing that's people. That's pretty significant. We're managing projects. We're managing budgets. 
I'm managing my own business, and then every now and then I get to do something like draw or shop. <laughs> every now and then. <laughs> wow, that's I've never heard it put 90-10 like it's, that. It's a lot of work, and it's hard. And I'm an artist. I'm in this business because I like to draw and I like to shop. Yeah. And that's been my thing. And so now that I'm trying to build an empire out of it and build yeah. a business out of it. I love it, that, it, build an empire yeah. out of it, yeah. It's increasingly difficult. So I have good accountants that I trust and I have a business manager that I also trust and I have project managers that help me on that end as well so that I could stay focused on the creative side. But again, it's still that 90-10 yeah. and you're always fielding problems. That's great. I'm glad you... That aren't you, necessarily creative. And you've quantified it as well. <laughs> and then how you quantify the quantify, which is accountants, business people, that they manage that process. So it's 90-10. When you say, you know, kind of an empire, am I at liberty to ask you, how do you kind of see the business now that's exceeded your expectations in the first two, three years? In the next five, ten years, is there kind of a place that you see uh, you and your firm being that you'll be kind of, ha, that's pretty cool? Well, I think I have that same kind of dream that everyone would have is that maybe the projects get bigger and I make more off fewer projects so that I wouldn't have to work as hard. But again, the minute I quit working for someone else and I worked for myself, I was right at the gate, still working 60 hours, 70 hours a week. 60, really? That is, if you really really put a number on your time, it's 60, 70. Definitely. How about even thinking? You know, even when you're, like you're here, you're looking around, I was asking about the station and um, what would you improve and how do you think? No, I've completely reorganized your record room in my head already. So. Have you really? No, no, really. I bet you that's what I want to hear. I want to hear that. How does that process that you you go through to make it, you know, win these awards? Now, you're not trying to win these awards, I, don't, I believe, but you still win them. And there's thousands of people that could have been selected and you were the one. Is that always going on in your brain every place you go? Well, it's difficult to turn off for sure because it's my eyes and it's my brain. And every in every experience that I have, I'm always looking and seeing before I'm speaking. So seeking a solution is always okay. always um, happening in my head. But you do learn how to turn it off after a while, especially when you're invited over to someone's house for dinner. You know, <laughs> I can't be like, oh, you need to repaint. <laughs> no, this table's got to go. Yeah. And <laughs> let's talk about your recipes. No, um, okay. I... I yeah. It's impossible to stay okay. sane without being able to turn it off. How do you have a term? I know you like wine, but how would others do? Wine helps, okay. for sure. Okay. Lots of naps and um, <laughs> Lots of reading and traveling. Because if I'm really in a space that I haven't seen before, in a culture, or a, you know, tasting something I've never tasted before, then all of a sudden having to try to innovate it or improve it turns off, and I just learn to experience it. So traveling is huge for me. I always have to get out of my comfort zone and look at look at things I haven't seen before and go to places that I haven't experienced so that yeah. I can learn more. Yeah, there's a great quote from Michelangelo, one of the many, but in particular is um, his design of David. And he had he just asked why, you know, how did you do this? How did you make this, such, uh, create such art? And he said, oh, it was easy. It was, I just saw it in my head and I just removed the excess. Is there and, and so I look at it as a discovery, and I think actually that was the quote. How important do you think is discovery in relation to creativity? Oh, it's it's hand in hand for really? sure. Really? Okay. Because yeah. um, you just run out of ideas, I think. And I love that you, you run out. That's so honest. You, you do, and okay. there's only so much you can pull from. And uh, you know, everything that I do is always a little bit of history, a little bit of dreaming, and then a whole lot of solutions seeking. So the client has a problem or the house needs a kitchen, you know, and then I think, well, what does the house tell me the house wants? 
what do I think in my past would that, that would be what have I seen, what have I done yeah. that would also help solve this problem. And then I listen to the client and hear how they want to use it. And it's melding those three together. So discovery, you have to listen. Yeah. And see. Okay, so listening and seeing. But that phrase, running out of ideas, that is a that's pretty bold to say, mm. hey, look, no, I do. <laughs> I'm running out of ideas. And and the only way to understand, you know, how to get them again is to discover. Yeah. And so that's your travel. Do you travel worldwide, nationwide? I try to. Certainly um there's a wanderlust in me that has to oh, I love about- that word wanderlust. <laughs> what a great word, huh? If I haven't been on a plane or in a car Far enough away from home in two or three weeks, I start to get really itchy, and I have to get out there. And no, stuff. really, that's a that's a biomechanical problem. With so you. if I get in the car, I don't mean to get fancy, but yeah, it's exactly. a biomechanical problem. <laughs> so if it's two or three weeks, you just say two or three weeks. If you're not out of your space, mm-hmm. you're not good. Well, I'm also terribly introverted too, so I won't leave my apartment if I don't have to for you know hours and hours on end. And my office is directly across the street from my apartment. <laughs> So okay. my commute is all of 30 seconds of crossing the street. And then, you know, traveling around the Bay Area and going to houses, I go to the same ones. And it's a big circular pattern the whole time. So I have kind of a, a circular life. And when I get home, I everything's off. My Do you really? White. No TV, nothing? Just uh, Well, you know, I, that'll be a little bit of a escape. Okay. But I, I tend to be very introverted and I don't like to – because I've been talking all day long and I've been seeing people and yeah. seeing yeah. contractors. How do you keep up people? that sort of energy? I mean 60, 70 hours a week. It's hard. <laughs> yeah. I mean I don't – really – how do you – So again, if I don't set a day trip for myself on a weekend or get on a plane and go somewhere that I haven't been before, after about three weeks I get really antsy. So I – Yeah. Do you plan where you want to go or you just go where you think you might want to go? A little bit of both. So it is short trips and, and long yeah. vacations. Are they as equally as fulfilling? Sure. Really? Yeah, and then I'll go on vacation, and of course I'll work every day on my computer. <laughs> do you <laughs> stop? You yeah, do? seriously. Um, like I was. Uh, so you go, hey guys, I'm taking off. Don't bother me. And then yet you work. Oh yeah, the world is getting That's smaller nice. <laughs> with email, and I could work anywhere in the world. But yeah. also, clients can reach me anywhere in the world. Also, and frankly, there's just no excuse if someone emails you because there's so many ways to reach people now on your smartphone, on your laptop. Yeah. You know, like in your car now, you can get instant messages. There's no excuse not to re- respond to someone anymore. So you, especially when a client responds to you and you're working at a level with them on a house or a restaurant or a hotel, yeah. you have to acknowledge. Could it be 24-7? You know, uh, someone calls you at 1130 at night and says, John, you know what? I was thinking, I know we went with this direction, but I think I might want to go another. What do you think? I try to exercise the right to be able to wait the next morning, depending on how drastic uh, it could be. Yeah. So I'll look at it with one eye, and then I'll flip it over and say, oh, I was asleep. <laughs> oh, no, wait, do you really? Or I'll, I'll respond yeah. right away and make Do you sure. have a publicist? No. Official publicist? I do not. Okay, the reason I said that is because I was likening kind of what you're doing to, uh, it's an artist, of course, yeah. but traditionally, you know, uh, actors or musicians, they have a publicist, especially if they're well-known, and they kind of act as a front they don't act. They are. The filter. Yeah. To the actual client. And I think, one, it adds definitely a layer of productivity. Mm. And two, there's a mystique behind it. And then third, there's a, a respect for the client, the client and you in this case. I, I don't know how you feel, but I just came up with that right now. <laughs> so, Nate, we need a publicist. <laughs> Maybe two. <laughs> no, I, I just came up with it because hearing your li- what you're saying and how your life is and how it's – you kind of haven't scratched the surface yet. I hate to say that. Sorry, John. Sure, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> but, no, you, you haven't. 
And, you know, how do you, what's your thoughts on that? Yeah. Well, again, yeah. everything that I do is very personal to me and to the clients, especially if we're doing a house. So I have to take it seriously because it's, they take me seriously and they take their project seriously. So I can't, it's like a relationship, you okay. know, communication, response time, understanding it's all there. So I, I get that. How do you, uh, I know we're looking at the portfolios here, so I'm going to try to do the radio as a theater of the mind thing right now is we're blown away. Okay. Thank looking you. at your work. You're absolutely just blown away. Do you see it with your mind's eye before it actually becomes what it becomes or does it match what you saw it? It's very strange, and I will admit this. I'm the opposite of most people. If I'm standing in a space, I cannot see it. I have to Say see it again? on paper. If you're standing? Sometimes when I'm standing in a space, if I can't see it, I have to see it on paper. And I have to understand Whoa. its context before I could say, this is what the room wants. Like, if I'm looking at someone's house and it's furnished and they say, what can we do? I'll look at it. I'm like, I can't even tell you right now because I see your black leather sofa and I see your bad <laughs> collection of, you know, VHS. It, it, just cl- <laughs> it clutters my mind. I need to see a blank sheet of paper to be inspired. Okay. And especially with learning how to draft and when I went through design school, converting the way that learning the language of how to draw, I had to stop the way I saw and learn how to say that again. That was awesome. Learning the way to draft and draw. I had to stop the way I saw things. That's awesome. And kind of construct it into the three dimensions, the top view, the side view, and you know, the, the elevation. So now when I'm in a room, it's almost very hard for me to understand how the space is going to work unless I look at it in plan. And then I have a pencil in my hand, and then I draw the elevation, and then I understand the flow, and then I understand how they want to use the space, and I understand where the light is coming from on the street, in the actual location that it's on the hill. So you're taking into consideration every and all facets sure, of, of course. the space. Yeah. And again, if I'm standing in a kitchen and it's all cluttered and messy, all I see are the dirty dishes, and I don't know... How to rip out the kitchen and, and start over again. Okay. I'm totally, <laughs> totally following you. I get distracted by yeah. little things. So I'd rather look at it on plan and look at the architectural drawings before, and then I could see the space. Yeah. And then it's indelible in my head. I know exactly what the space needs. I know exactly how it should look. And then that's when the words start to fail me, and I, I start to not be able to communicate that to the client because I have to draw it. Ah. So you're that um, verklempt almost. Sometimes, yeah. <laughs> Sometimes, Yeah. The room, this is what the room wants. This is what the room wants. It's as if, like, it's asking you, not you. Or just it's telling me. Okay, how does that do that? It sounds like it's an animate object. It's alive. Well, sure, because people use it, and people live in it. And ah. a room is only a room if it's useful to people. Otherwise, then it's just storage space. So I, I walk into a room, and I kind of see the factors. Again, it's the context, the history. And the usage, you know, the the end user and what they want to do with that room. And then all of those things tell me what the room wants. That's how to break that down a little bit. This is The Modern Architect, KZSU Stanford, 90.1 FM. State of the Human. State of the Human is the weekly radio hour of the Stanford Storytelling Project. Wednesdays at 5 p.m., the show creatively weaves personal stories from Stanford community members around a single common human experience. The theme could be about anything that sheds new light on what it means to be human, in the words of people here at Stanford. Tune in every Wednesday from 5 until 6 p.m. at 90.1.
KZSU FM or on the web at kzsu.stanford.edu slash live. Podcast is also available on iTunes. Back to The Modern Architect. We're talking today with John De La Cruz, owner-principal of De La Cruz Architecture, Interior, and Design. For more information, feel free to visit www.dlcid.com. That's www.dlcid.com. On that uh, the topic of this is what the room wants in the... Um, Actually, in the recording room before we started, John, we were talking. Michael noticed the uh, the stone. Like, how did you source this kind of stone? You said, well, the kind of stone talks to you. So th- <laughs> there again, again, there again, again. That doesn't make sense. But anyway, you get the gist. H- how does it, like, call to you? Well, I'll, joking, okay. but I'll say sometimes it's always better to say the room wants it or the stone found me in case someone <laughs> doesn't like it and it's not my fault. Oh, oh, look at you. Even putting the disclaimer at the beginning, huh? There's the business side, that 90 coming into play, huh? No, typically, uh, again, you try to listen to the client and you want to listen to the house. Uh, The things that listen to the problem. Listen to the house? I like that. (laughs) Listen to the house. So, you know, (laughs) you want to understand the history of what you're doing and where you are, the context. And then, again, what the problem is. Like, I have this kitchen that doesn't flow. Or I have a living room that no one wants to sit in. Or I have a bedroom and I can't sleep in it because it's loud, it's noisy, I just it's not restful. You listen to those problems. You understand the history of the house. You know, if you're on the beach, if you're in a mountain. And then all of those things come into play. So it, that's what informs me what the solution will be. And that's why I say the things... I say, like, this is what the room wants, or the stone found me. It's because it presented itself as a solution to the bigger picture. That particular stone that you saw in that picture was very, very graphic and very unique and not necessarily something that people would automatically think would be perfect for a kitchen. But this uh, particular client is an art collector. The kitchen is in the middle of one big, huge floor, which everyone is very fond of these days where the kitchen is open to the family room, which is open to the living room, which is open to the dining room because they don't want walls. What's your thought on that? It has its pluses and minuses, and we're working with it, and it's just a modern way of living. So I found some great solutions that we could share a little bit later after I finish this thought. But um, again, it's a very artistic piece of stone. For an art collector in the middle of his art gallery where he entertains a lot of people. And that's why that stone found its way into our project. And that's why the stone found us because it was yeah. perfect as the solution to be the focal point. Yeah. All of the problems that were that were posed. Yeah. So I noticed you got a lot of conversations going on when you go into a room. John. Not a room, but you go into any space. So it's not just the client. It's the space as it currently Correct. exists yeah. and then the space as it could potentially exist. That's a lot of voices. I think also uh, why I'm an interior designer and not an architect is I don't always think that we need to raise everything and start over. I like to work with some of the the constraints of, say, an older house or an floor plan. You like to work with the constraints. Sometimes. And that's that's usually what helps make the best solution is having a bunch of constraints that you have to solve. That's a very interesting perspective, though, because most people feel like the constraints are holding them back. But you're actually looking at the constraints are actually propelling me. They're pushing me into a way to figure out a, the best solution. No, that's pretty, that's yeah. fierce, not just in design, but just in, in thought. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, it really is. So the constraints are actually a gift or could be. Sometimes. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. What recent projects are you working on? If you're at liberty to share with us, uh, um, and you know some of the how it began, and maybe some of the challenges, and then how it's uh, how it's becoming. Huh. If you're at liberty, you know, if you don't have. You well, see, I can't really talk much about the houses because okay. I definitely am. Um, they're private houses for a specific okay. clients, so I, I try to keep those as a. Uh, how about the spaces then? You know, the, the well, I could talk about the restaurants. Do that for Let's sure. Go. Let's uh, go. Restaurants. There are th- uh, three restaurants that are about to open all about at the same time, and that's okay. kind of why we're all tearing our hair out right now. Because uh, it's definitely like birthing a baby. It's a short schedule, <laughs> smaller budgets, um, and then there are a lot of creative <laughs> people that. on the team that have a lot of opinions that you have to kind of manage and negotiate and come up with the best ideas and then hope, cross your fingers, that it all gets built on time and becomes a success. But I've happened to partner with a couple of different chefs right now that are super talented. I have a lot of faith in them, so I know they're going to do their job and... I could probably put up cardboard and, you know, stools, and they'll still serve their food, and it'll be amazing. Really? So, and yeah, you know how to made... do that if you had to, couldn't <laughs> yeah, you? Yeah, for sure. So that's a freaking massive skill. They make my job very easy and also very hard because they're so creative. They have a lot of input on what the space should look like, even though they're in the kitchen. And, yeah. you know, I have experience on the other side of the kitchen. But So it's been fun working with creatives. There's uh, two restaurants in San Francisco in the Nopa area. One is a larger kind of 150-seat Calatal restaurant with homemade pasta and pizza. That's called Kefico, and below it there is a, I want to call it a pie shop, but it's going to be much more than that. It's uh, like an all-day diner with uh, a James Beard. A diner? Uh, no, an all-day okay. diner. Okay. Fried chicken sandwiches and, and the best pies you've ever had, and she's a James Beard award-winning pastry chef, and that's called The Arena, and that's going to be amazing also. So we're just waiting them to open so that yeah. they can start eating some fried chicken. <laughs> yeah. um, and then there's a restaurant right down the street here in Palo Alto on California Avenue called Protégé. Super talented chef. And it's like night and day where he's very studied. And then I have a very colorful tattooed chef up in San Francisco. Oh, okay. Anyway, on that end, it, 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 we've just created this really luxe, beautiful, clubby environment where it's just comfortable to go there all day long or go there for a fancy seven-course Michelin-starred dinner. Wow. Um, and his take on food is just wonderful because it's very familiar, very comforting, but also very elegant. And that's what we try to do in the interiors. So, Comforting and elegant. At the same time, yeah. Yeah. Are you trying to achieve some of these kind of adjectives or no? You really, again, looking at the person. Sure. Because it seems like you're kind of go- – I know it's a space that you're that – you're, um, you're basically – you're improving. But you're improving it from the person out. Sure. It looks like. Am yeah, I incorrect? Absolutely. Or? No, okay. That is 100% the process. Okay. You have to understand the client to create something beautiful. And these buzzwords aren't random either for me because when I meet with a client and we start the conceptual design, of, you know, that, that first early phase of figuring out what is the problem, what is the solution, what is the end result – we come up with these ideas, these like these words, and th- those are the ones that we constantly refer back to to make sure that we are fulfilling what we set out to to do. Yeah, it sounds simple the way you're saying it, but it, it sounds like a lot of work. Yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot. <laughs> but of work. it's easy when you love it, and, and lucky for me, I love what I do. Yeah, and you keep loving it even more. So you've got t- two years, and you just started with these restaurants, and you're primarily in the U.S. Yeah, uh, Bay Area. Would I say California? Bay Area, Hawaii, California, okay. and you have. You just started there. International. I know I asked you this before about international. I think it's only a matter of time before that comes. What's your thoughts on when it does? Well, I just renewed my passport, so if anyone out there is listening, <laughs> You're right. we're ready. <laughs> that's great. So it's, that's, Our passport will travel. 
John, man, this is, if everyone, one of these days we'll have video on this. You heard it here first. We'll have video on this. And it'll be a kick. How do you get inside that person? To kind of really get their true, what they really want. Because they, you know, I'll be honest. I'll say what I think I want, but it's actually Never not... what people want. Yeah. The first thing they say is usually the, the opposite of what we understand is what they want. Especially if you don't work in design and you don't know how to look at a drawing, an architectural drawing, or the words that a contractor uses in his budget or, you know, in his process. If you don't know that process, it's hard to actually add words to use that language to express what you want. So we try to do it with images. We try to do it with drawings. We try to do it with magazines, movies. A big thing when I worked for Ken Folk is that he would always describe every project and every client as a movie. And if it was wrong, he'd say, oh, this is the wrong movie. This is the right movie. And we'd always attach a movie to the conceptual design of a project. A little bit more about, like, finding five keywords. And I always refer to those five keywords every time. Five keywords. Yeah. Okay. And that's usually... Words that I'll have my clients, and separately, I'm like, write down five words that you want to best describe this house. And then I'll have the husband and the wife do separate. And then they'll look at those five words, and they'll be completely And they'll start a fight, or what? Well, and then I'll make them them talk about it and tell me, okay, now marry the two and give me five. And then we'll look at the five that I thought that they wanted, and then we'll say, comfort is always one of those things. Is it really? How how much is comfort? It's like always the number one thing. Is it really? It's the the easy go-to button that everyone always wants. No one wants stuffy. No one wants (laughs) stuffy. I want a stuffy house. (laughs) Really? But so so everyone always wants comfort. They always want easy to clean. They always want non-fussy. Yeah. How about colors? Back and forth. Like I have one client that only likes black and white. Lots of of clients only want gray right now because they're tired of beige. But the Bay Area is pretty conservative and they always like... You know, things that aren't too out there. And then I have some clients that want color, color, color everywhere. Every room a different color. Do you have a favorite color theme or scheme? No, I don't. No? No, I try to keep it neutral so that I can... On purpose? Let all the crayons play whenever they want to. (laughs) Let the crayons play. Well, for my house, my walls are white because I have to leave that environment and always just... I surround myself with good art and good music and a comfortable. Yeah, mattress. what kind of music? What do you? Like? I'm all over the place. Are you really? <laughs> yeah, you I like jazz. A... I like opera. I like hip hop. I like. Do you listen while you're not, of course, in the middle with a client? But do you listen to to music while you work? For sure. Yeah, you do. Okay. I'm um, not in the morning. I like dead silence in the morning because that's I think when I'm most productive, and that's when I get the most things done. Like tasks off my list. And then in the afternoon when I start to get a little sleepy, a little thirsty, I turn on the music. <laughs> I love that. Sleepy and thirsty. And, you, and your, your choice of music's all over the place. Jo- yeah, just different as long as it's good. Just as long, I like that. Just as long as it's but I, good. But like, I'll listen to opera. Yeah. And I'll listen to jazz. I'll listen to classical music. I know Vivaldi very well. Yeah, which... you definitely did. I was saying, hey, it's Beethoven. <laughs> said, oh, excuse me. That's Vivaldi. Uh, yeah, Tom, that's Vivaldi. <laughs> That's from the Four Seasons, and that's Printon. <laughs> it's true. You nailed that on there. How do you under get the values? How do you gauge the value to a client of what you know they say they want, and what you've they've agreed to, and then what you've collaborated on? How do you really kind of arrive there, and you both kind of look at you and go, "Yeah, you got it. Let's go." Or is it by you know process by process? It's process by process. Uh, I have a lot of different clients with a lot of different budgets. So again, is that a constraint? That, does it again, you jump off. To... But okay. if you ask my business manager and my accountant, they're always like, "You need to charge more. <laughs> You're not charging enough." And I'm like, "Well, we want to fit their budget, and I still want 
to do this project, yeah. and I still want it to be great. Yeah, so, how do they gauge it? Is it by time? Uh, I mean, a little bit of the both. Most convenient. It's, it's usually time, and then we do a small processing fee over the things that we sell. So at the end yeah. of the day, we're just a service industry of service. But it's a ton of labor, though, John. For sure. I mean, it's a ton of labor, and it's not always. It's not like digging a hole. You know, you can come back in an hour and see that it's uh, it's it's now three feet. Mm, yeah. So it's so, not quantitative. Yeah, exactly. Um, so it, how that, do you how do you try to measure that? Well, it's it's that ten ninety again, where we have. 90% of the business and 10% is the creative. And as long as we can work efficiently and quickly and get those invoices out and yeah. get them paid, then we can go back to being creative again. Yeah. How many – you're primarily referral-based, mm-hmm. correct? If, you, if you've ever tried to, um, to measure how many – for each client, they almost refer you to one or two others. Is that, have you ever tried that or done that uh, just to see how – No, but they'll all remind me every time they have Oh, no, me. they will. Yeah. I referred you to this person and this person. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> no. They definitely – it's like a tree for sure. And I've got two or three solid clients that have really big mouths <laughs> that I treated very no, wait, well. And now they, they make sure – Very big mouths. Oh, yeah, for sure. And um, <laughs> they'll tell all their friends. And every time they hear of someone, they'll say, you have to hire him. You have to meet him. You have to yeah. – and it's, it just goes from there. So – it's like a tree again, and I've got a solid trunk of really core core yeah. clients that are very dear to me that we're very yeah. close now, and then all their friends want to become my friend too. Excellent. This is The Modern Architect on KZSU, Stanford, 90.1 FM. San Francisco classical voice, comprehensive information on Bay Area classical music concerts. They can be found at the San Francisco Classical Voice website, sfcv.org. For daily, weekly, or monthly information on classical music concerts throughout the Bay Area, simply visit sfcv.org. We're talking today with John Delacruz, owner, principal of Delacruz Architecture, Interior, and Design. For more information, you're welcome to visit www.dlcid.com. That's www.dlcid.com. John, the value of your time, you're working 60, 70 hours a day, a day. <laughs> you found the secret, 60, 70 hours a week, you're constantly thinking about how to either improve or beautify or better a space. You're under working with the architect or with, with the, the, everyone, architects, builders, the clients, everyone. How do you quantify a value of that to client or they kind of see that, hey, this is what's really important to me because it's not everyone who says, I want an interior designer in their house. Sure, my opinion is everyone could benefit from it, but that doesn't mean everyone will do this. So how do you, like the value of it is uh, is immense. How do you share that with them? It's funny because I have two clients right now that have built houses before without interior designers. Okay. How, and they how say they'll never do it again. Because, wow, that's powerful, dude. Because yeah. of the... F- all of the questions they have to field between the contractor and finding all the different finishes and finding it's a lot of work and it's a lot of tedious, small information that you have to process and deliver. And, you know, you have to keep that ball moving down the field. Wow. That's a totally powerful simple that they'll never do that again. That shows <laughs> that the importance of your position. I'm not I'm, If you're building a custom house at a certain level. I mean, I know I'm patting you on the back a lot, but no, just okay, let's say forget you. Just the the the, position, the profession. Yeah. Is that vital? Well, you know, and anyone can pick all the tile and and worry about those things, but I guess when you build a house at that level, 
say in Atherton and you're spending millions and every single finish, every single surface, every single knob and every single cabinet pull counts. There's so many different decisions that you have to make that they just tear their hair out. And that's why they say, I would rather you do it and you tell me, give me three choices and I'll pick the one that I want. Tell me what they cost and I'll we'll move forward. Yeah. And then I field all the questions from the contractor and the architect and the landscape. And I help kind of manage the flow of information. How do you manage those egos? There's people on, they are egos. Yeah, well, how do, how do you? It's like, again, being a babysitter or a kindergarten teacher or a, you know, a, a therapist. Kindergarten teacher. I don't think they have egos in kindergarten. <laughs> or do they? <laughs> it's, it's managing reactions. Okay. Another hard thing to watch is when you start to slowly start adding things to the house and things start to materialize in front of their face and they forget the big picture. So that I also have to keep that hanging above all of us, like the umbrella to protect us from having to continue to slightly adjust the ship as we're going along. Because then they'll start to see the paint and say, oh, we picked that paint. Is that right? I'm like, yes, it's right. Because remember the ceiling, remember the floors. And then you, they start to ins- install the cabinets. Oh, is that really what I wanted? I'm like, yes. <laughs> remember, this is your bathroom. You wanted these drawers for this hair dryer. It's, it's all very, I like these very drawers specific. For this yeah. um, and keeping an eye on the big concept is something that's also very hard for people to see. And that's why I've been lucky to work with these people that said they've done it before and they'll never do it again. <laughs> they want my help. Yeah. So would it be uh, safe to say that people, they'll do it again only if you help them? Well, I hope. I, I mean, hope. I'm being. Re- yeah, for sure. I hope to. It's a big plug. I'm be saying there one but and it's only, true. But, yeah. You know. Plus, I also have clients that you know have multiple houses, and they they like a little bit of. They want to work with different people, and they want a, d- a different point of view in the in the different spaces that they have. Yeah. yeah. How have you? I'm de- not for everyone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right on that. How do you handle the uh, a lot of the, the most challenging projects or people? Wine. Ah! Lots of wine. That's awesome. <laughs> no, well, uh, <laughs> <laughs> lots of it's, wine. It's part of it, but um, <laughs> again, lots it, of wine. <laughs> as long as you want to establish a serious, you know, a good, solid conceptual design, yeah. and you document everything, all of the little curveballs and all of the little questions, and those all fall into place. So it comes with experience. And a lot of preparation. Yeah, I noticed you, you called them all the little curveballs, all the little problems. You, you already prefaced them. You made them little. Yeah. You didn't say problems and this a big old, yeah, no. You already you kind of got them under your thumb in a certain way, yeah. Well, it's, I mean, hard, it's hard to, especially after working for 20 years, a lot of these things happen over and over again. And you know them. But your client doesn't because this is the first time they're building the house or they, this is the first time they've ever learned yeah. about the 19 different kinds of faceplates that they could pick on their light switches. So I get to pull from my history and my experience and say, this is the best one, or we just installed those and we had to rip them out because someone hates them. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about a little bit about your, the awards that you've won. They're numerous in particular, the 2017 kitchen of the year. Share with us um, how how these uh, came out. That was quite an honor. Actually house beautiful every year does a kitchen of the year and they said they, they select a designer to work with them and okay. their their sponsors to put together the best of the best. Last year it was at the San Francisco Decorator Showcase and it happened to also be their 40th anniversary. Most of the people in the Bay Area know about the San Francisco Decorator Showcase, yeah. but it's a huge benefit for San Francisco University High School and it's helped raise millions of dollars in scholarships yeah. for st- students in need. So that's it's kind of a, a yearly tradition for 
people to bring their mothers there in, <gasps> during the month of May for Mother's Day to look at the decorated showcase. Yeah. Uh, last year, House Beautiful selected that kitchen because the house was quite impressive, and it was a historic house on Pacific Heights near Broadway. Yeah. So how is it historic with the age of it? Uh, yeah, it was like 1906. Yeah, so it's, uh, it's been there a long time. How do you in- maintain this, the integrity of what's available now to something that's in 1906? Well, that was a challenge. And that's yeah. why this kitchen was a joy and a feat to accomplish because it had to look like it was part of the house, but it had to be state of the art. It had to function for an eight bedroom house that would have. 10, 16 kids running through it at 3 p.m. every day because it was a, the family that lived there was a, an extended family and there were 10 kids living there. Oh my goodness. And they all love to cook and they love to eat and they all like to be together. So we had to find a place where they can all have their own stations in the kitchen and also sit down and eat and also clean, which is a huge factor in living. Yeah. With all those kids, is we got to clean this place up. Too. <laughs> so it was a big kitchen with really tall yeah. ceilings, and I had House Beautiful behind me cheering me on to make sure that it was the best it could be. And I got to work with some really great vendors that gave me the best of everything to put together, and it was really quite yeah. quite a fun fun project. Yeah, it took up half a year of our. Did it really? Uh, it started in June, or sorry, January, and then we broke it down in June. But as some people may know, remodeling a kitchen in six months is. Not an easy. Actually, we had four months to remodel it. And yeah, two months to show it. Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and read this quote directly, and it says, uh, "Most people." And this is from House Beautiful. This is from Sophie Donaldson. Is it correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. She said, uh, "Most people, and I'd estimate all House Beautiful readers, consider the kitchen the heart of the home, but it's also a space for artful living, which is why we're excited to have John at the helm this year. John has a sophisticated design sensibility." and a taste for flair, but also an innate understanding of how people want to live today, comfortably and easily. He masterfully blends splendor and function, so we're enormously excited to see his vision realized. A heck of a compliment. Vision realized? How do you see vision realized? (laughs) Really? Well, it was a challenging space. It was an old house, and there were a lot of people using the kitchen, so... Again, I stood in that room and I'm like, what the hell am I going to do here? Really? No, was, that was an honor. You, yeah, what the hell am I going to do here? 12-foot ceilings. Uh, it was three rooms oh. that were married together because they thought by taking out the walls it would improve the space. And it didn't. So by the time I got to it, it was gutted and it was just this irregular L-shaped kitchen. And I had to get out of that kitchen immediately uh-huh. and look at the drawing. Right to back to understand. Yeah. yeah, you went through your processes. Yes, exactly. I had to get out of there and look at the drawing and then figure out how to... Saw my way out of that box. <laughs> wow. So it went from what the heck am I going to do yeah. to the kitchen of the year. Yeah. Outstanding. That describes a lot of your work. John, it's been a pleasure and an honor having you. Really. Thank you. Really. Thank I hope you. you consider coming back in the near future. Really do. You've been listening to The Modern Architect. I'm Tom Dior. Our guest today has been John De La Cruz, owner, principal of award-winning De La Cruz Architecture, Interior, and Design. John creates interiors that are truly unique to each project and each client. Over the past 20 years, John has worked in the Bay Area's with the Bay Area's top design firms, successfully leading projects, including the Battery SF, the Cavalier, Marlowe Carbone in Las Vegas, Sedell's in New York, and private residents around the country. For more information, feel free to visit www.dlcid.com. That's www.dlcid.com. Join us again next time when we welcome another outstanding architect, engineer, influencer, 
or civic leader committed to positive and sustainable cities, communities, and lives. The Modern Architect is recorded at Stanford University Studios in Palo Alto, California, and is a production of KZSU Radio. Today, the recording engineer and production manager is Jim Mason, chief engineer Mark Lawrence, and then also Michael Betts. And we're all assisted by Caleb B. Smith, of course. And the executive producer and host of The Modern Architect is none other than Tom Dioro. If you wish to contact us, our email address is interviews at kzsu.stanford.edu. Again, that's interviews at kzsu.stanford.edu.